today on Laura Lynn and Friends. And they themselves felt quite free to proselytize their own views <laughs> upon the children in that classroom and their, their own classrooms. So if that's what it was like 30 years ago, imagine what it's like um, for young people who go through those programs today. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laurelyn Tatter Thompson. It is an honor, and I do mean that, an honor and a privilege to be with you every day. That's how I see it. Uh, when I get uh, your wonderful notes and I meet you in person as I travel the country, I'm always grateful uh, for your appreciation of what we do, but mostly this is an honor and a privilege for me to be here. And I like doing life with you. And I feel like I have a lot of friends on the other side of this camera. And when I look at the, the camera in front of me, cause I'm, you know, I'm kind of sitting here alone in a room with, with my husband on the side. And uh, sometimes it does feel a bit lonely, but then I think about how all of a sudden, as soon as we go live, we can see that all you guys are coming on the screen and starting to do your comments. And you say, hi, Laura Lynn. And, and uh, some nice stuff, and I appreciate that because we are doing this together. And I hope that you get strength from this show because I get strength from you. I often go back and read the comments after the show to see on the different platforms, on Rumble, um, on StreamYard. Uh, when we're going live, you leave a lot of comments and I like to go and uh, see what you've said. And I appreciate, I appreciate that we have friends out there. It means a lot. I opened up my dad's Bible today and as I do every single day, and you know, it kind of came open to the book of Daniel, the very first chapter, and my dad has underlined in red, um, and it's really the only two verses on this page, um, but the, you know, Daniel 1, my dad underlined uh, this. Um, so verse 4, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom. The cunning and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So then I went to verse three, which my dad didn't underline. And it says, and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. That's then when my dad underlined children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored. They had knowledge, they knew science. <laughs> Things kids don't really know today. Yeah, but they do know how to use pronouns. Okay, uh, but then in verse eight, my dad underlines, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So in all of this, as a learned young man, Daniel, who was actually, I think, pretty much a slave, as I understand it. I mean, he kind of came in um, being appointed. But Daniel decided as a young learned man, full of wisdom, full of the wisdom of God. And wisdom is very different than knowledge. Um, knowledge is kind of, you can be very smart with books and yet not have any EQ, right? Which is your emotional, uh, quotient of intelligence. And, uh, you know, I have to say, I wish I was the greater IQ. I find that to be my husband's, uh, place. He's, he's got a really high IQ and he's always like 
you know, giving off all kinds of little bits. But for emotional, um, emotional intelligence, I think that um, I've always been a very interpersonal person and I feel things. So I discern in the spirit and I have a, a feeling motivated, um, you know, personality and character. Um, so it's interesting in what we're going to be talking about today, because we're going to be talking about the state of our schools in Canada. And before we get to that, I have a few things I want to tell you about what is going on in Canada and what we need to be aware of right now with respect to the situation in Israel and all of that. But um, our schools are in a very bad state. And I think, uh, you know, Christine Ronsere was on, was that the day before yesterday, I think. And she was expressing the difficulties in in Manitoba, people are basically calling for you to just get your kids out of school, like take them out of school. If we are not going to be able to go inside and get this fixed, because every time uh, school trustees are presented these disgusting books that sexualize children that have the most grotesque pictures on them and in them, when we present that to school boards, the school boards for some hugely unknown reason to me seem to be saying no we you know we need to protect these books and kids are sexual beings says the un so we need to i guess help them along with that so we're not down with what's happening we're not down with the ideological teachings that are going on and so we have a couple of guests that are going to give you some options especially in the british columbia area and also hopefully give ideas to those around the country on how you as adults who care about kids can present options for your kids. So before we get to that, it's neat that, you know, I always find that when I open my dad's Bible, something very appropriate for that day falls. So um, I wanted to comment that we are paying way too much for gas here in Canada. Uh, my husband and I took a a very brief trip down to the States and we filled up a tank, right? JT, what, what was that? Could you put your, cause I don't remember you were the one who filled the tank. So, and you were in shock. Why was that? It's a 16 gallon, gallon tank. Yeah. 16. And it was $45 US to fill. $45 to fill a 16 gallon tank up. And so what is our, our car tank? Uh, I filled up yesterday for $117. We, we filled up our, for $117. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on? Is is our tank 16 gallons or? It probably is close to that because there's a standard size. There's a standard cars. size. Cars, I mean, bigger trucks have bigger tanks, but like cars yeah. are pretty standard 16. So this is what I was saying, I think earlier this year or late last year is that the price per gallon down there. So, so we have four liters to the gallon. Like we are being hosed up here with our gas. And we have Alberta. I mean, I just can't get anyone to explain it to me. I know I'm a simple girl and there's probably a really simple answer, but Justin, what is going on? Now, obviously, Melanie Jolie, the Minister of Foreign Affairs was watching our show yesterday. And I appreciate that um, because uh, we were asking yesterday of uh, Pastor Giulio Gabelli, well, how come they're not getting a whole bunch of planes and picking up all of our Canadian you know, allies and friends and you know citizens from israel and pastor julia said that's a very good idea so melanie jolie she's probably having her coffee sipping it watching laurel Lynn, and what what next hateful thing i might be saying 
And uh, and so here's her talking about uh, what they're going to do for Canadians. Take a look. We'll begin the assisted departure of Canadians from Tel Aviv in the coming days, by the end of the week, with the help of aircraft from the Canadian Armed Forces. They will arrive in Tel Aviv and bring Canadians to Athens. My colleague Pablo Rodriguez and I have been working on the next steps from there. Together, we have secured with Air Canada a plane and a crew to bring Canadians home from Athens. These flights will be available to Canadian citizens, their spouses and their children, as well as to Canadian permanent residents, their spouses and their children. Let me be clear, this includes dual nationals, because a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. We sure are. So thank you, Melanie. Thanks for paying attention uh, to what we said yesterday and bringing that forward. I really like your sort of military outfit you got on there, sort of those dark green colors making you look really tough and strong in your position as uh, the Minister of Foreign Affairs. Um, so good. I'm excited, actually, truly, in all seriousness, that they are doing something to get the Canadians out uh, because we did see that we had a personal friend yesterday whose son was there with his wife, and that was very unnerving, and we all went to prayer, and he got out on a plane already before you guys got that all in place. Um, now, I'm. Uh, we've got a serious thing happening, and... We've got supporters, as we showed, of Palestine in Canada, in all of our big cities, shouting and championing what has just taken place and the ravage and the assault, the raping and the killing of innocent people in a measure we've never seen. Our world has never visually ever seen somebody hurt other people in a sociopathic, psychopathic way and then have the world celebrating that in a democratic, civilized country. And it is disturbing. But it goes back to this guy, Hamas commander. Here he's talking about world domination. Take a listen. Today you could say that we reached a phase of deference, a phase in which we can defend when we speak about the army of Jerusalem and the battle of the promise of the hereafter, we are not talking about liberating our land alone. But we believe in what our prophet Muhammad said. Allah drew the ends of the world near one another for my sake, and I have seen its eastern and western ends. The dominion of my nation would reach those ends. The entire 510 million square kilometers of planet Earth will come under a system where there is no injustice, no oppression, no treachery, no Zionism, no treacherous Christianity. No killings and crimes like those being committed, which they just did, against the Palestinians and against the Arabs in all the Arab countries. In Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and other countries, he says. So this is a Hamas commander, basically in some state of denial about what they've just done. And he wants a world of peace where Arabs and his like will be safe, but where they can take care of those nasty Christians. 
very concerning. Um, I don't know how this is allowed. Uh, what has what we showed you yesterday in in uh, Ontario, different parts of Canada, Ottawa, Vancouver. There have been these protests, basically just chanting hateful. I thought we had hate crimes. We had hate crime laws in Canada. So, all right. So Palestinian supporters chanting gas the Jews at the Sydney Opera House in Australia. Akbar, gas the Jews. Take note, everyone, what's happening in our world. Also, I'd like to read you this still um, before we play one more video. Uh, BLM grassroots statement on Hamas. So this is what the BLM has to say. Black Lives Matter grassroots stands in solidarity with our Palestinian family who are currently resisting 57 years of settler colonialism and apartheid. As black people continue the fight to end militarism and mass incarceration in our own communities, let us understand the resistance in Palestine as an attempt <clears throat> to tear down the gates of the world's largest open air prison. As a radical black organization grounded in abolitionist ideals, we see clear parallels between black and Palestinian people. We too understand what it means to be surveilled, dehumanized, property seized, family separated, our people criminalized and slaughtered with impunity, locked up in droves, and when we resist, they call us terrorists. We too dream of a world where our people may live freely on decolonized land. May the borders, checkpoints, prisons, police, and watch lists that terrorize our communities crumble, and may the world we build from their ashes honor those who have fallen in struggle. Where exactly are they talking about? Are they talking about America? America where we have a, a, a black vice president and we just had a, a president for two years that was African-American? Two terms, yeah. And, and you know, all of these people. I love uh, that guy who plays God with the deep voice, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, they were asking him about racism you know, in America, and he goes, I don't see it. I don't get it. I, he's, he's lived the best life, you know? So, man, I, I mean, I remember people not liking me when I was white and I was in Africa, all right? So people have issues sometimes with people of a different color, and especially kids, there can be bullies, but we should just not focus on that. We should not, uh, you know, we should teach people to love one another. And because of that, I feel like I am African-American to this very day. I'm definitely black on the inside. I have a very dark heart, I guess. I don't know, but I I feel a, a real draw whenever I see an African-American family. I just, you know, I smile and wave and they think I'm weird. Like, why is that white lady smiling at us? I've had that look. I really have. Um, but I just feel like I love them. I grew up, I was one of the very few white people in my school in Africa that was mainly Africans and also a lot of East Indians, a lot of Muslims. 
So I, I actually know what it's like to feel like, you know, you're sort of the minority in a group. And then I went to Tuktoyaktuk and I was the only white kid in the whole school, the only blonde girl. And I was the, oh, I just lost my thing, JT. Um, I was the only blonde girl um, amongst all the, you know, the tough uh, Eskimo kids. Now we're not supposed to call them Eskimos anymore, but they called themselves that. And I was the only white girl and I got beat up and chased home. It wasn't fun, but then we made friends and I got over it and they're still my friends on Facebook. So all is well. Let's get over all of this nonsense, but I want to just show one more video before we get to our guest today. Um, highlighting is this is a 2015 flashback to BLM founder Patrice Cullors, uh, who remarks on Israel specifically. Take a look. The other thing I'll say is Palestine is our generation in South Africa. And if, if, if we don't step up uh, boldly and courageously to end the, the imperialist project that's called Israel, um, we're doomed. And I think that uh, I had learned about Palestine for a long time. I had known about it, been wanting to travel, and I was really, really grateful when the Dream Defenders um, asked me to come on the delegation. Uh, but nothing would have prepared me for the level of milit militarization and the, uh, and the level of violence that we would witness those 10 days inside of Palestine. Um, nothing would have prepared me for uh, the ways in which um, we witness people's terror, uh, people live in terror on a daily basis. And um, nothing would have prepared me for how much clarity I would have on, on why we have to be a part of um, uh, Palestinian solidarity. Yeah, I mean, just, just fascinating. So Israel apparently to her is a project and apparently, um, you know, with all the difficulties that have been there, I don't think I've ever met anyone that says that uh, Israel has not made mistakes in doing certain things. But let me tell you, there's two sides to that coin. And I highly recommend a video that was done by the 700 Club United States of America, where they have uh, many videos out where they actually lay out the history and, and Palestinians, that is not a word, that is a, a fairly recent word, you know, over the last few decades, that was not like a group of people for, for decades and decades. In any case, I'm not gonna say too much except Patrice, you need to understand that as a lesbian woman, uh, you might not be safe in Palestine. So you'd be safer in Israel. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say about that. All right, so uh, over and over on this show, we've been highlighting the protection of children, the need to protect our kids. And um, so, a lot of people are feeling this. A lot of educators and a lot of people that care about children are trying to find avenues and ways, models and paradigms that they can put forward that can help to um, alleviate this problem that we're having where people feel that, you know, they have to work and they've got to put their kids in school um, and they have no choices. You have choices and a lot of people now coming forward with options for your family and your children to get a good education and to not be indoctrinated with nonsense. And so I'd like to invite to the show Tracy Horvath. She is the executive director of Compass Christian Schools, as well as my very good friend, Pastor Paul Dirks. And uh, Paul has been, you know, leading the way on championing 
the protection of children for a great many years, and I've appreciated that. So um, I'll, I'll ask you both. This is uh, referred to as a classical Christian school, and I'm not sure um, what that all entails, and maybe you can explain it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Laura Lynn. It's great to be with you. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're living in sober days, aren't we? But oh, uh, very sober. Wow. Um, and and it's and it's sober for. I mean, they're not the same issues, um, but but it's sober days for parents too, as you mentioned, uh, as far as what's going on in the schools. And you highlighted many of the problems. Um, so. Yeah, Compass Community Learning Centers and, and, and the schools that are part of our umbrella are uh, looking, we're using a different model than, um, than perhaps has been tried, um, at least from a, a multi-school perspective, uh, perhaps ever. I don't know other, other groups that are doing this, but um, we are using churches whose buildings are uh, not being used mostly, you know, Monday to Friday, and trying to help these churches plant schools for their kids and for others in the community around them as well, other Christians, even others that may be willing to have their children schooled in you know, robust Christian education. We're not going to um, deviate from that uh, and yet uh, you know, welcoming others in that we can. And, uh, and, and so it's a low-priced model that is really aimed at helping families that perhaps don't have the uh, either the financial resources or the the skills to homeschool, which we continue to we continue to be you know very much in favor of, of homeschooling. It's a wonderful paradigm. Um, and uh, you mentioned too that uh, in, in some of our past conversations that other Christian schools are are frankly just not holding the line on on you know. Christian values, Christian principles, and um, you know, adhering to some of the isms and ideologies that we find in the world. Um, so, so this is part of our our paradigm that we're doing, and, and we're using a classical Christian methodology to do that. So, um, classical. You could ask, you know, ask me some more questions about this, but our in in a, in a nutshell, the classical paradigm harkens back to a historical method that was developed by the Greeks and the Romans and um, and really had a uh, trajectory and a tradition all throughout the West Western civilization until, you know, John Dewey and, and some other progressives um, really got a hold of the modern system and changed things. And so it, it harkens back to the trivium, which is uh, based three, three basic levels that overlap in, in education, starting with grammar. So you're learning the grammar of any subject, uh, not just of you know vocabulary in English, but you're learning essentially the rudiments of any aspect of your field of study, such that these children, as little sponges at those early ages, um, really drink in all of that information. And do we do a lot of memorization? Actually, we try to make it a lot of fun with some you know some music and some games. Um, but really building up those rudiments and then moving on to logic. And uh, I mean, our our modern world, the narratives that we find, the educational paradigms that are used, we, we're not teaching logic these days, but we want to teach children not just what to think, we want to teach them how to think. And this is something that's very missing in our uh, modern educational system. Um, and then lastly, into rhetoric. And uh, and we really believe that as Christians, we need to be armed with 
God's word and with his mind in how it comes to our interaction with the world and being able to beautifully, persuasively, courageously take uh, all that God has you know, transformed our minds with and be able to communicate that into the world. And so in rhetoric, we teach children how to speak, how to communicate, how to be persuasive. And, um, mm. and, and we really feel that this is going to be what helps to change our world. Um, one child, but with all of their influence that goes out from that one child at a time. What a valuable tool uh, to be able even just uh, to be confident public speaking. That is a huge, huge benefit, you know, but if you're teaching kids to think and to express themselves, to communicate, very powerful. Um, Tracy, you have joined this uh, fight and I'm wondering about your personal journey and why you have come to the place where you're, you're putting all your effort now into ensuring that children are getting what they need in this world and where have you seen some of the short shortfalls in our society well i grew up in the public education system um, and as when i became a christian I, I really felt the lack of the ability to bring together my faith in god's word and everything else that you're learning in school um, they seemed like they were two in two different categories two different uh parts of life and i i really realize that we need to bring these things together in education for for christian children and um we were blessed to have a group of people to do a christian classical cooperative when our children were young but it eventually um folded and we put our uh, younger ones into a um uh, well thought of christian group one independent school um, but in grade 11, I looked over my son's shoulder and he was just sitting there learning uh, about evolution in a BC curriculum textbook. And when I said, well, are you, are you looking at the, the problems with the evolutionary theory? Are you looking at supports for creation or, or um, uh, design theory? No. And then he never did. And uh, in that class in biology in grade 11. So we ultimately pulled them out, our, our twin boys. And um, that was one of the things. The other thing experience I've had is when I did professional development program at uh, Simon Fraser many years ago, we're talking 30 years ago, and I interrupted the program and had to have an interview to get back in. Um, after some preliminary questions, I was asked, so can you tell us, uh, it's clear from your resume, you're very, you know, your faith is really important to you, how you are going to leave your beliefs at the door of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And praying for wisdom, I responded, well, I, I don't think that's possible because I think each of you ladies takes who you are and what you believe into the classroom with you. Um, it's just a matter of recognizing what your mandate is if you're in a public school classroom is not to impose your beliefs on those students. Well, the fact is that they would never have asked that question of a Muslim or a Sikh or a secular humanist, mm. only of a, of a Christian. And they themselves, felt quite free to proselytize their own views mm -hmm. upon the children in that classroom and their their own classrooms. So if that's what it was like 30 years ago, imagine what it's like um, for young people who go through those programs today. Yeah. 100% and, and 30 years ago, uh, because this is exactly what's happening, isn't it, uh, Paul, that people uh, are seeing their kids come home with confusion about their gender? with confusion about ideologies that are literally being taught to them from their their teachers 
So they are proselytizing the children. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no question. I mean, I think that um, I think people have rightly stated that we have a um, kind of a, a pagan humanistic current educational system and that um, I would, you know, I would say this from the standpoint that even though um, many of our government and our leaders espouse a sort of a, a non-religious perspective, I think that if we look in scripture, I don't think you, you ever escape a religious perspective. Uh, whether you call it worldview, whether you call it religion, uh, you are constantly, as Tracy mentioned, you are constantly teaching and discipling your 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 religion your worldview and so sadly this is becoming far you know far more prevalent in in the sense that it's open uh with you know the different kinds of lessons and and certain teachers that are uh really very very vocal about their discipleship if you will in our in our local system and this is why we have so many parents that are crying out for alternatives and uh and rightly so rightly so uh you know you you know a little bit of my history laura lynn but uh you wouldn't have to go back too far and i would have been a, a strong public school proponent just for the for the perspective of being salt and light in the community but uh i think that i've you know not just for myself but i've spoken to so many other christians leaders pastors that would similarly state those days are 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 gone for in mo at least in most situations in most schools um we need to get our children out if you're you know if you're a christian and we need to place them in places where they will learn you know the, the complete counsel of god and how really christ for a christian how christ impacts every area of study what well, you know whether it's history whether it's you know your overt piety or your theology but also areas like science and mathematics um, these things are not untouched by our God. These things are all comprehensively part of, um, of what Christ claims and that we ought to be teaching our children so that they are able to, um, glorify him in this world and really able to change it for Christ's glory, right? Thy kingdom come. That's what we pray. We, we have definitely failed, uh, to educate our kids in the ways of God. I know there's a generation right now that barely knows any scripture. They've gone to a public school system or even if they've gone to Christian schools, um, it's just, it hasn't been honed in. And you see now the rise, uh, I was just hearing that I think in Calgary, uh, there is a 70,000 foot square building being built by the Muslims in order to have schools and all over British Columbia, they have their schools and they, you know, they definitely do a good job of teaching their kids. And, um, and I'm, I'm talking about the Muslims, Ismaili Muslims, and people that I have found that uh, want freedom and do not want to embrace any of this violence. Um, it's, a big, it's a big topic. But mm -hmm. I will say that we should maybe not have just abandoned teaching these things. I went to a Christian school and I'll tell you the greatest thing that I got from that school is I, in order to get status, and I'll just pass this to you, I, you can get like A status or A, C or E status or something like that. I went to an ACE school, but A status was the best. And for that, I had to learn a portion of scripture, which was about 10 to 12 uh, verses in order and say it to uh, a person every month. There was a new 10 to 12 
Mm. And it's not impossible. We all did it. We all did it so we could get a status so we could have a longer lunch break. And so that we might get to go and sit in a certain part to do our schoolwork. We might get to go to all this little lounge area if we've gotten a status. And there was these certain kids, you know, the smart one, they were just rattling it all off. But we all tried to to get that, you know, some sort of status and you could learn less verses in order to get maybe a lesser status. But that learning of the word of God that has come back to me time and time again has been very powerful and has has sustained me. Um, what we're seeing in schools now, uh, Paul, I know that you've been involved extensively with what we've seen happen in Chilliwack with school boards that we just can't trust school boards anymore. Like the books are being shown to them and read out loud and they're still going, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yes, kids need this. It's fine. And it's not fine. It's it's grotesque perversion. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, Laura Lynn, because we, you know, you and I and, and a few others were beating this drum um, for several years. And yeah. it's, you know, finally, it seems as if people are waking up to the trajectory and where this goes and that it is the sexualization of children. Um, we need, yeah, we need we need safe places for our for our children. Um, you know, there there are some things that we can teach our children. Our children are going to have to live in this world. There are certain things that we can teach and um, and prepare them for. But there are also certain things that you know are age appropriate. That you know we don't they're not ready for certain levels of the battle until certain ages. And um, you know we want to we need to be able to equip them to put a sword in their hand and a and a, and a shield in the arm uh, at the right time. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, metaphorically speaking, if we Light understand the metaphor of the word of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, we need, um, yeah, that's right. But, you know, we, because really it, the world is, as, this, as the examples you used, Laura Lynn, the, the world is attacking us, right? It's attacking, it's not just that, um, yeah, it's not just that this is a world that's out there. The you know the wolves, so to speak, have have come home to a certain degree, and and we need uh, we need to protect our children, and uh, and we continue to be loving and respectful to all, whether you know whether people disagree with us, whether they're LGBT doesn't it, you know these things don't matter. Uh, what matters is that we have an approach that's faithful to God's word. Uh, that holds out both the grace and the truth that Christ uh, enjoins um, upon us, and that um, you know, and that we're courageous in doing what we need to do for the coming generation. And that's really what this is all about. Compass's model statement is that we're educating the whole child in the whole truth uh, in order to reclaim our culture for Christ's kingdom. I love it. And and Tracy. Let's talk about the kind of people that are going to really value these schools. Um, so I see here you've got two schools uh, running presently and you're hoping for more. And the brilliant um, idea of, of partnering with churches that have large uh, available space and are not being used during the week. This is exactly the way that uh, my school that I went to when I was young started. It was in you know, in a church, but what kind of people will, will be the bulk of who chooses you? I I'm assuming it's going to be Christian people. I have a lot of people that listen to me because they just like 
the truth. They're like, oh, Lorlin, I don't know if I like all that Bible stuff. And I kind of, you know, but I do kind of feel like you have a ring of truth. And so I think you got the right end of the stick on this. And I do get comfort when you read that Bible at the end, but I'm not, I'm not a Christian and I don't like, you know, religious. So, so some people might be saying, I've got two kids. I'm pretty upset about this gender nonsense, but, um, you know, maybe, Maybe they want to consider someplace like this. Do you think it would be an adjustment? And all you're saying is you're not teaching, um, you know, you're teaching the word of God. You're teaching fundamental principles of the word is what I'm understanding. And that is a, a pretty, it's like 10, it's the 10 commandments, loving God, loving your neighbor, not stealing, things like that. So um, our Latin motto is Dicite Veritatum in Caritate, which is speak the truth in love. Um, so we want to both speak the truth into the world, and, and that includes um, a biblical perspective, um, but not in a sort of isolationist way that um, does not interact meaningfully with the other ideologies that are out there. Um, so not in a, an isolationist, in, uh, inward-looking sort of uh, an approach. Um, so let me come back to that in a moment. The, the way that uh, we have structured things, we have a BC society that has applied for two, successfully for two um, group three independent schools. The group ones are the big ones that you know of, Langley Christian, Surrey Christian, that sort of thing. Uh, group twos are the um, facilitators of homeschoolers, uh, the distance learning. And then group three is a category that enables you to um, teach whatever uh, curriculum you choose. Um, there's a lot of freedom within it. Um, and you're not in any way obligated by BC curriculum or to have BC certified teachers who've gone through the the indoctrination process. Um, thankfully, I made it through my own my own PDP uh, program and and have that. Um, but again, uh, coming back to what you're saying, uh, the way that we have structured it, um, churches provide the space. We as a society um, provide the administration, and then uh, hopefully groups of families, um, parents in. Uh, church settings will come together and form a parent committee and we can work with them to start a school. Um, and so it will, each one will have a slightly different flavor. It will depend on that particular community. That's why we called mm -hmm. it Compass Community Learning Centers initially. Mm -hmm. um, although we now call our schools Compass Christian Schools. Um, and we are, have actually begun the application process for a third school at this point. And we do allow for um, people who are um, perhaps seeking, who say, we love what you're doing. We love the values. We love, uh, we think you, you're really onto something here. Um, we do have room for people in our schools who may not be uh, from a, a local church. Um, and then they sign a slightly different uh, affirmation than uh, others that simply says, we support our child being taught in this way. Um, so even if they go, well, I don't even know what the Trinity is, for example, right? So I can't sign your articles of faith and say, I believe this, but I will support my child being taught from a Christian perspective. Okay. And, and uh, I, I wanted to ask you, so if, uh, is, is the three schools that you have right now, Paul, are those in British Columbia? And are you able to branch out and work with 
um, other provinces? Do you think this is going to be something that really needs to take off in every province of Canada? Well, for starters, there's no question it really needs to take off in all of Canada. <laughs> that, uh, and in fact, there are some other groups that are doing similar things, although perhaps not from a sort of a multi-school uh, perspective as we are. Um, currently, yeah, so currently we have two campuses with a third being applied for um, presently. And uh, and we have, we've had conversations about what this looks like, um, possibly moving to other provinces, but it is a challenge. It is a challenge in the sense that uh, each province has its own um, you know, jurisdiction and, and its own different aspects of how they do education under the province. It is a provincial mandate education. Um, and so currently we are not moving beyond BC, um, but, uh, but we have had conversations about that because there's no question that this is needed right across Canada and we're building out our model so that it is replicable. We have frequent conversations with those outside of the province um and uh and where we can we we're open to helping um other other groups start similar things that are going to really build the next generation and are going to hold fast uh and not slide into all of the mm -hmm. you know all of the different pitfalls and and uh ideologies that some other christian schools get um get you know one of the things that tracy mentioned um that will interest i think your uh, you know, your audience is that we, we don't take money from the government. Uh, we were dependent on, on God and finding ways with our, with our donor base and, and others to make a go of this because we don't want to be, um, tied to anything the government is doing. You know, there, there are, might be days where the government will be favorable towards us. There will be days they, they, they aren't. Um, but I think there'll always be that, that pull, um, to shift from the, the solid convictions that we're to hold as Christians. And so we're, we're building this and hopefully, hopefully a way that will last generationally. And, and we, yes, go ahead, Tracy. And we've been able to counsel a number of other churches, both in the province and uh, even in Alberta, um, regarding how we went about starting what we've uh, been building here. And so we, we are open to um, helping others, even if they go, well, you know what, we don't want to come under your umbrella, but we want to do something similar. We've, we've been able to help some others along. I think this is, this needs to be an avalanche of this type <laughs> of schooling that, that yeah. takes place in our, in our country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm convinced, you know, that you, you may have many in your audience that aren't familiar with the classical model. I'm convinced it's the best model for, uh, for, you know, character formation, uh, through to, you know, having, um, sound well reasoning. thinking, yeah, sound reasoning, and Critical then, and then being, being, being oriented too towards the work that, that God wants us to do in the world courageously. Uh, I think it's the, I think it's the best model for that. Um, and, and so, yeah, we're, we're really thrilled about what, what's going on right now. I like it. You know, it's funny because everyone grows up, they go through school. Nobody really talks about destiny or your calling, unless you're in a Christian school or, you know, your gifts or like really honing in on the biblical concept of how special we are, like how God knows the number of hairs on our head. And then we get older and we're lost and we are kind of depressed. And then we take some, some courses, you know, to figure out like, you know, all about ourselves when really we could be teaching kids along with their studies. This is an important part that I do think gets really, really missed. And, you know, other than they're trying to, um, you know, 
you know, I think um, convert kids into different ideologies, you know, all of the sexual spectrum that they're talking about, that seems to be where they're putting all of their focus on trying to figure out who you are. It all seems to be sex-based and it's absolutely shocking. I've had parents talk to us about going into um, the, the schools and seeing things up on the board that everybody's like talking about their sexuality. And, and this is just not what p parents are just waking up to like, please, like, who are you? What are you doing? You know, now somebody might be thinking at home, well, listen, I got a really smart kid and I want them to be a lawyer. And I don't know if this kind of school is going to really focus on the, you know, the, the math and the science and what they really need to get to maybe the next step university or whatever. What do you say to that, Paul? Yeah, so the, the short answer is that this, um, this kind of schooling will help um, that kind of academically or professionally oriented person to excel like no other. Uh, they will be, they'll graduate two or three years ahead of where they would be in the public system. Um, I've, I've be, you know, I'm beginning to see this uh, in, in different students. Um, the, you know, one of the challenges that, that is, is not, challenge is probably too strong of a word, but one of the things that we have to look at is the fact that uh, there's going to be different ways in which some of our parents with a class three school um, deal with the graduation requirements for getting their dogwood. And so uh, that's something that, you know, on a, on a school by school and uh, family by family basis that we, um, we, we deal with. Um, but uh, yeah, those, you know, when it comes to the skills and the ability to um, to enter into those fields readied in their minds, readied in their character, readied in their, you know, their rhetoric and their outward facing ability to, uh, to deal with the world. Um, you know, this, this kind of education is going to ready them like no other. Wow. That is a very good answer. <laughs> I'm really impressed with that because, you know, that's important to a lot of people. It was never, uh, you know, as important to me. I actually, I, my kids went to a private school and I sacrificed. And I want to ask you, uh, Tracy, next about finances. And, and I do see that you're presenting a very viable option for families. But um, I, I will also, um, you know, say that I remember going into a parent-teacher meeting because one of my kids uh, struggled with uh, learning, uh, you know, quite a severe learning disability. And I said, uh, and they were very worried that I was going to be upset because the, the, my child was not reaching the academic, um, you know, uh, parameters that they should be. And I remember saying, oh, no, no, I don't care about any of that. Do you think that they're learning the scriptures? Do you think they're learning to love God? Are they kind? Are they, are they getting along with others? Do you, see, do you see that their character is good? Yeah, and these were genuine questions. And they just sat there. They said, they literally said this. A teacher looked up. She goes, you are so refreshing. <laughs> I didn't really know what she meant, but apparently because of this private school, it was a prestigious it's Pacific Academy here, uh, you know, in Surrey. And um, they just felt so much pressure from the parents that, you know, that the, all of this academic learning. So, but kids are all different. And, you know, we had known early on that there was a struggle there. And so I decided, what does it matter? Like God's going to find the path for that child. God's going to make a way. So I didn't need to be so concerned about that, but, but all kids are different. And what you seem to be saying is you're going to be able to help children, whatever their talents, abilities, and disabilities might be, you'll be able to, to meet that need. And so that's very good. So what about the, the, 
the school cost. Um, is this going to be affordable for a family, Tracy? So uh, the numbers that we came up with the first year were 40% um, lower than the group one schools where they receive uh, over $5,000 per child from the government uh, to run their operations. And then they charge for their first student in the order of seven to $8,000. Um, and with three students, you could be paying anywhere from 11 to 15, $16,000. Um, we have one price thus far for K to eight. Um, we have a K to eight campus and another campus uh, that is not as high as that yet, but um, one price and uh, it's under $5,000 for the year. Um, so that's awesome. And so like that, that is even, yeah. So that's even less than $500 per month mm -hmm. um, and well worth, uh, well worth. Yeah, it's, it's a car payment. Most people have a, a debt payment that you feel you can put. I mean, I, I had a time in my life when I had my children, I was not rolling in any money by any means. And it was a sacrifice and it was made because we wanted a better, education and a Christian education, that was important to me. And uh, I'll never regret that. So, mm -hmm. so these are things that families can sit down, they can sort out, you know, how to make it happen if they have to cut some things. And also being Christian, let's just say God makes a way, doesn't he? Yeah, he makes a way <laughs> where there seems to be no way he makes a way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when we're called to make sacrifices in a lot of areas, but the Lord's promised when we do that, that he'll supply well, we, our, our need, right? He'll give us the seed for sowing, he says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And uh, yeah, and so we we trust that the Lord will give us what we need. And, and our children, I think we need to come back to, I think, I think the Western world has lost to a certain degree, Laura Lynn, the idea that our children are our greatest riches, our greatest resource. Um, and that, uh, you know, there's, we're so individualistic in our culture, it seems. And so we really need to recapture sort of this generational thinking and that our children are given to us, uh, you know, we are to steward them under, under God and then to be able to sort of unleash them for him <laughs> in the world to whatever God's called them to do. And so, yeah, you know, we, we have not even 20 years to do that job and it's, it's worth some sacrifices. Can I add, Laura, sure, that, Tracy. Um, that uh, we are not the type of classical school that's aiming to be Ivy League and hoity-toity and, yeah. and only for the elite students at all. Uh, we have students who are have special learning needs and we have students who are a year and more ahead in mathematics or, or language arts. And um, they learn together in community and learn to um, help each other along and love each other uh, together in, in that community. It's wonderful. So if somebody's watching today and they're like, I've already put my child, you know, into school, it's been, you know, a month, I guess, a month and a bit, and I am already not happy with what's going down because I'm hearing things and they don't want them to be there. Can they call you now? Can they get a hold of you? How would they get a hold of you, first of all? And is there room? Is there room now? Is there a waiting list? Um, what's what's up with that? Well, I have a family waiting for me in another room right now to, oh. <laughs> to uh, try to join our school here in New West, um, nice. late uh, here. Um, and so um, we will still consider families for this year, but um, New West is just about filled up for the year. Um, right. We do have some room in Surrey. Um, we have groups 
who are seeking the possibility of a school in Chilliwack and um, Abbotsford, who would I can put them on the list for that if we can get that up and running. And in Langley, uh, we expect to open our third campus next year. So again, people just need to contact me. The best way is you can either um, contact through email, ed at Compass CLC. Okay, everyone. Well, we have just had a catastrophic failure because all the lights went out and uh, the breaker has been doing this to us a little bit lately. We don't know what it is. We're going to have to have somebody come in and look at the breaker. Um, sorry about that. So thank you to Paul. Thank you to Tracy Horvath, Paul Dirks for their uh, incredible option that they are bringing to Canadian families. And I hope that you'll send this uh, share, 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 please. Uh, after this, this mess of losing the, um, the feed here, just send it out to everyone you know who has kids, um, to your grandchildren, to your children, and uh, make sure everybody knows there are options for schooling. I also just want to remind you that there is a great event coming up October 28th, and I hope that you will be there. Lance Wallnow is going to be featured, uh, an epic, epic event. He is truly a champion in this world. He has the right end of the stick. I love to watch him. I love to go to his website and to get his analysis of current events and what's going on. I always find that my heart resonates with, with his take on what's happening, whether it's, you know, wars and rumors of wars, whether it's on the transgender issue, whether it's on, you know, the ideological slide of our nations into an abyss of uh, perpetual evil. Uh, he just seems to understand what's going on. So I hope that you'll be there. Dr. Brian Artis will be there. Dr. Uh, Byram Bridal, Dr. Mackis, and we're going to have uh, Greg Hill there speaking on, you know, our situation with the airlines and pilots and things that are going on like that. So can't wait to hear from all of them. We'll have a myriad of subjects that are happening. Josh Alexander will be there. And you want to get your kids um, having a look at young men like Nathaniel Pavlovsky and Josh Alexander who are making their way in the world and standing up for what's right. You want your children to be able to see um, examples of young men standing up in this generation. And so it's truly wonderful to see what these guys have done. They'll be sharing their experiences and their perspective so set that aside. <clears throat> and what do you say, JT? Should we like um, call it a day and go get a bite to eat later? I don't know. You deserve it. You've been pretty stressed out over this whole thing. You know, you think I get stressed. You should see him. All right. So I will close with this. Um, leave you with this. Of course, if you're looking for gold and silver, be sure to contact Steve Merrill. Steve Merrill will also be there at this event to share with people the very uh, you know, the truth of our financial situation, uh, what potentially we should be aware could happen, and where to have our investment safe. I want to read to you from um, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. 
A lot of prophetic words these days. It's the rise of the prophetic. Test them, test the words. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I have over the years gotten so much comfort from that last verse there, 24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Because you know what I feel like? I have felt like I had to do it. I have felt like I'm the one who's got to bring all this together. Just looking for my earpiece. Um, I, you know, I, I've got to do it by my own strength, by, by my own might. And nothing could be further up from the truth because God says, I called you, I'm going to take care of it. You don't have to feel like the burden is on your shoulders. In fact, the word says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God says his burden on us is light. Do you know what? We're probably just digging ourselves into an early grave with all the work we're doing. I'm going to stop doing that, hun. You know, I, I'm going to stop working so hard that I drive you crazy and me crazy. I'm going to stop it because God's burden is easy and light. Once in a while, when I just feel like, you know, being a total workaholic, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to sit down and have time with the Lord. I'm going to be like Mary and just sit at Jesus' feet. Remember, Jesus said she has chosen the better path than, than Martha. Now, I'm not sure how they would have eaten lunch because Martha was the only one getting the, the lunch ready. So maybe we eat less. It's, it's not so bad. It's not hard on your waistline that way. You know, you're not so worried about the weight that you're gaining during the seasons of Thanksgiving and whatnot. But um, I'm just going to once in a while just take a breather and I'm going to just not worry. I'm going to feel this pressure and stress of all I have to get done. I mean, I got a lot ahead of me. I've got this event coming up and I feel the pressure of that a lot, you know, but God's in it. I know that he's going to be with us and bring in all the people. Um, make sure you sign up, go to our website under events for this event and you can get your tickets. Please help us, help us help you. But I, I'm just going to remember that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. <laughs> Isn't it great? I mean, if he calls you to do something and it's definitely bigger than you can imagine, more than you think that you can do. First of all, that's how you know that's the calling of God. Why, why would he call you to something only you can do? God calls you and he's faithful to help you. And he says he will do it. I love it. Rest in that. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing. But for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked. And we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.